Welcome to Ask the Dean. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, and I'm the co-founder of MAPT. I'm joined every week by Rachel Grubbs, the other co-founder of MAPT, who has 20 years' experience in the pre-med and test prep world, and by Dr. Scott Wright, former executive director of TMDSAS and former director of admissions at UT Southwestern Medical School. Ask the Dean is a weekly Q&A we do live exclusively for our MAPT members, and this podcast is a recording of that session so that everyone can benefit from that knowledge. Let the knowledge flow. Ask the Dean, episode 71. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray. I'm joined by my good friends from MAPT, Verinia Granum. How are you doing? Doing great. Thank you. Amazing. You hosted an amazing uh, workshop last night for pre-med parents. Yes. Or I should say parents of pre-meds. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what is the biggest takeaway you think that parents need to know about this whole process? Oof, um, there are many. I would say um, understand, obviously, that there are so many steps to this process, that it's stressful, that there is no clear-cut formula to getting into medical school. We don't all, you know, we don't have, you know, the, the answers or the secrets to it, but we can definitely help students present their best selves. Um, and I think the biggest takeaway at the end of the day is that, you know, this, this process is so unique and individual for everyone. Um, they may not start off, you know, with the strongest stats, let's say, but we all know that's not the full picture. Um, and so never, ever discourage your student um, because you can easily, you know, take them off track by thinking that way. And we all know we can, we can still make it there. So. Love it. But it yes. was great. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Awesome, awesome. Uh, and, and Rachel, for people who want to send their parents to the recording of that workshop, can they still go register at map.com slash parents? Uh, yes, in two seconds. I think I turned it off earlier today, but I'll turn it back on. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm looking at it. It looks like it's still there. So The link um, is there, but the, the flow is off. Okay. Um, We'll make it work. Go register and we'll figure out how to make it work later. Yeah. Um, I'll I'll make a banner. (laughs) That's mapped.com slash parents. Dr. Scott Wright. Grandpa, how are you doing today? (laughs) Hey, I'm doing well. How's life is is good. One of the twins is gets to go home today. So we're super excited about that. And uh, little uh, little Chloe's going to come home. And unfortunately, little Ella has to stay in the uh, in the NICU for a little bit longer. But uh, we're very excited about getting to hold little baby Chloe. That's awesome. Yeah. It's it's times like these where I, I think it, it really hits home what we do, helping mm-hmm. students kind of realize their dreams of be, being a physician and yeah. helping them understand kind of how to how to reflect on this whole process and why they want to be a physician. Because at the end of the day, I talk about this all the time, and I know you do as well, is as a admissions committee member, as an interviewer, as a reviewer, we're constantly going, can I see Sally taking care of my loved one? Can I see yep. Jimmy taking care of my, yep. me when I'm in the hospital? Yep. Um, and, and it, when you have family members who are in the hospital, like, like you do now, it, it really hits home. So yep, absolutely. All right. Let's, let's bring them home uh, safely soon. Cool. And Rachel Grubbs, Mapped co-founder extraordinaire. <laughs> My favorite word. How are you doing? 
good. A little tired. Uh, I, I enjoyed doing that presentation with Ferenia last night um, for parents, uh, but I was just telling her before we went live. When I present late at night, then I'm like still up for hours. Mm. <laughs> so you get, uh, was, you get that was, high. Yeah, it was super fun. And also, I did not get a lot of sleep. That's awesome. Um, So Ask the Dean here is for you. So if you're watching this on YouTube right now, uh, I don't have Instagram set up. So we'll we'll, uh, either set that up in a minute or or Instagram will be left out, but hopefully not. Uh, So ask your questions on YouTube as you're watching in the comments. We'll answer them. For those of you watching the replay, go leave some comments. We will pick a one lucky winner to leave a comment uh, based on how we like their comment. Uh, kind of a little subjective, but hey, that's that's okay. life. Uh, and and we will give you the opportunity or we'll, we'll give you a one-year access to Mapped, uh, including our Mapped advising chat feature uh, inside of Mapped. Uh, it's like a 320-something dollar value there for you. So go leave a comment as you're watching this replay. Um, and maybe we'll give one away live too. We'll see. So ask your questions. Cool. Nobody knows. (laughs) Um, So as, as we wait for the, the, questions to come in, which I don't see any yet. Um, the, yeah, Yeah. it is very unusual. And there's a bunch of people watching. Um, Um, Dr. Scott Wright. Oh, here, here's one. Here's one uh, question that uh, Key Reacts is, is asking. Hello, Dr. Gray. I'm currently in my second year of undergrad, and I was wondering when I should start my extracurricular activities. Muy yes. pronto. Muy pronto. <laughs> Yesterday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. With the caveat of hopefully you have a strong academic foundation that you can continue the good habits that you have around getting good grades and you don't add too much to take that away. Yeah. yeah. Get those activities. Mm-hmm. Oh, good question. Is research important even if I'm not interested? Very common question. Yep. So, Mohammed, should, should Scott, should Mohammed go out and go, okay, I'll go check the box. I'm going to go get some research. I don't like it, but everyone says, Student Doctor Network says I need to have research. No, I mean, now the caveat is it depends a little bit on where you want to apply to medical school. And there are some small number of medical schools that are going to require research, very strongly research intensive institutions. But that's a very small, limited number of medical schools. And I would say outside of that, if you're not interested in research, do not feel compelled to be to, to do that. Uh, it, you know, it, it does kind of appear like you're checking a box. Now, having said that, um, if, if you're on the fence, so there, there could be people out there who are like, I'm not really sure if I'm interested in research or not. I think there is a value in exploring it and finding out, you know, do I like it? Do I not like it? Whatever. Uh, but Muhammad, in your case, if you're not interested in research and you know that going into it, then do not feel uh, any obligation to do that in terms of having a strong application. I think they're, uh, you know, what uh, uh, it will appear and you will, in fact, be just doing it just because you think you have to do it to get into medical school. But that's not the case. And so I would say, no, don't uh, don't feel like you have to do that. 
Yeah, this this actually came up last night. Of course, parents uh, were interested in finding out if research was a required component. It's not required. It depends on the school that you're applying to. Um, you know, we like to see that students are more engaged in things that are meaningful for them. Um, and clinical experience or patient's experience will always, um, you know, if you have to choose between the two, sort of, you know, that that patient contact is is what's probably a little bit more important um, than doing research that, you know, you're really not interested in. So I would say focus your efforts on that. Um, and when you're applying, obviously be mindful of the fact that, you know, some schools will require that and some will not. Yes, I've often said research is the most overrated part of the application process, yep. according to pre-meds. Yep. And again, there's you, you can't paint a, a broad picture that every medical school doesn't care about research. And there are some out there. Mm-hmm. And you'd be surprised, even the very research-heavy institutions like UCSF or University of California, San Francisco, I've talked to them, the admissions committee members there, and they're like, yeah, like one of the big myths is that we like only look at students who who are very heavy background researchers. We're looking at everyone. So Mm -hmm. keep that in mind. Yep. All right. Uh, I'm going to do a quick throwback to our conversation from five minutes ago. So for those of you that want to watch the parent session or want to um, strongly recommend to your parents (laughs) that they watch the session, you can go to map.com parents and sign yourself or them up and you will get the link to the replay. Cool. Awesome. sauce. trying to go live on Instagram. It's not working. Sorry. It's hard to multitask. Maybe it's oh, no, down no, again. No, yeah. literally, literally, the button's just not working. Yeah. All right, Catherine asks, "How do schools look at or treat virtual shadowing?" If you were only to get that this last year, mm-hmm. yeah, that's the question. Yeah. <laughs> How are schools going to look? Um, we don't know, right? We we don't know. Last year. Um, when students applied, maybe there was a little virtual shadowing at that point, but probably not. I, I forget when I, virtual shadowing or virtual shadowers, I forget the, the exact name of the, the, the website that I think started, um, didn't, didn't happen until July, August. Uh, I started e-shadowing in September. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a big question. Uh, what I've heard from students is they, they've contacted schools and schools are going to Look at it. They're gonna yeah. they're gonna treat it as shadowing. Yeah, but it's gonna be a, a per school thing. Mm-hmm. Michael asks, "How do schools view a gap between cumulative GPA and science GPA?" My cumulative was low early on, but science GPA has been around three point eight since freshman year. Hmm. That's great. Yeah. I don't think that there's a big, I mean, it depends a little bit on what the cum GPA is, how big that gap is. But generally speaking, I think, you know, they're really going to center in on that science GPA to understand your, your, you know, how, how you do in the science classroom. Now, the one thing I would say about that is it could signal that when you're in a class that you're not interested in, you don't do well. Mm. Uh, so it depends a little bit on what that cum GPA is. And the concern about that is 
So is that going to happen in medical school when you get into a medical, you know, one of the classes in med school that you're like not interested in? Are you going to crater or not do well or whatever? So I don't think that's a big concern, but, you know, that is the, that's the kind of thing that admissions committees think and, and wonder about. Um, and uh, what, you know, what we want to see is somebody who's really engaged regardless of what the material is and that you don't just shut off your brain when you encounter something that you're like, yeah, this is isn't that meaningful? Yeah. yeah. All right. <sighs> Hello, Dr. Gray. Hello, back to you. Uh, is it required to finish all prereqs before applying end of third year, or can some of the subjects be done in fourth year? Great question. A very, very common kind of misconception or um, misunderstanding of, of what a prereq is, right? A uh, prereq for the far, 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 far majority of schools means you have the class done before you start medical school, mm-hmm. right? You obviously need some foundation of science to do well on the MCAT, and a lot of that are the prereqs. But if there is one prereq out there, two prereqs out there, when you are applying that you are maybe in the middle of or you're planning on doing your, your fourth year, for probably 99% of schools is perfectly fine. Yep. I think I've seen one random school that was like, we want your prereqs done before you apply. Um, I don't remember what school that was though. Yeah. And probably here's where I'll chime in. Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, it's probably the school that requires research. <laughs> <laughs> probably. Um, what I was going to say is one challenge with prereqs is some of the prereqs that are required for med school and, like you said, can be done anytime before you matriculate are very helpful for the MCAT. Oh. So that's one mm-hmm. thing to think about is just how much of it do you want to have done in time to take the MCAT and make your MCAT prep more review and less content learning. Yep. Right. Oh, with that, it's time for our weekly I got a low score in one section question. <laughs> we, sh- we should have like a jingle for it. <laughs> yeah, I like to do them on Tonight Show or whatever. Yeah, I love it. Um, Tanner says, I just got my MCAT score back this month and I got a 508 total, but a 123 on cars. Is there a minimum section score to be accepted? Should I be concerned about a low cars with a strong app and GPA? And it's the usual... You know, typically cars. It, yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. It depends on the school, right? Some schools have sections, minimums for sections, but I think the rest of your application probably speaks for itself. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so I wouldn't worry too much about it. Um, but there are schools that do kind of look at minimums for certain sections for, uh, for each section. So yeah. do your research. Scott, what do you think about students reaching out to schools to say, hey, just like I got a 123 in cars. Is, is that a, a, a no-go for screening? Well, I think, I mean, I don't have a problem with a student reaching out. I don't know that they're going to get what they want in terms yeah. of an answer to that question. We uh, look at students holistically. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what you're going to, you're going to get the line that says, yeah. you know, we, we look holistically. There's not necessarily cutoffs and, you know. And we're looking at the whole picture and blah, 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 which I, and I'm not disparaging that, you know, statement. Yeah. I, I'm just saying that that that's probably true. But it, there, you have to get you, ha, you have to understand that they're also trying to protect themselves in terms of, of you know, making sure that they don't discourage applicants 
in, in or whatever. And uh, and so, but generally speaking, what I would say to this this, this applicant is, don't worry about it. Just if five hundred eight is a pretty solid score, and uh, I wouldn't worry about a, a a low car score, you know, and. And honestly, you know, my answer to this question is is frequently an answer to to a lot of questions is, so what are you going to do about it? So you have to let the schools do whatever they're going to do. If you don't like the the 508 with the 123 cars, then retake the exam and concentrate on uh, studying in a different way, perhaps, for cars. And. And, uh, and and bring that score up, uh, but uh, you know if you're not gonna if you don't if you're not concerned enough to to take the MCAT again, then don't worry about it. You know you have to let the schools do whatever they're gonna do. Yep. That is all that you can do. Yeah. SPG Radio. If you were to rank the factors of a strong application, stats, clinical hours, research shadowing, in order of importance, what would that look like? Oh, I've never been asked this one. Yeah, all the all All the number one. All the above. Mm -hmm. Yes. Send me research. Yeah. 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 All right, fine. We'll put that one on number two. (laughs) Everything is is tied for number one except Mm -hmm. for research. I mean, not to not to be, you know, to whoever this is, SPG Radio, but, you know, that's really not possible to to do a ranking of these factors and stuff. I mean, they're they're all a part of the process and they're, they're what the schools are looking at. Uh, you know, all of these things, they're looking at the whole picture, your story. Um, you know, when you say ranking factors, what that leads to is this conception that there's some kind of uh, um, there's some kind of algorithm that medical schools have that where they're placing all these things in there numerically, you know, uh, uh, manipulating the process so that uh, they get a, a number spit out of the computer at, at some point and based on these factors and, and multiplying, you know, uh, things and blah, 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 blah. So, but it just doesn't work like that. So, yeah, yeah. I think uh, kind of going back to the last question too, it was like, is a 123 going to screen me out? And, and what, what are the best factors here? And, and I've had enough conversations with ADCOM members that the, the general kind of thinking for a lot of schools is that we're not going to set any hard, like set in stone rules so that we can break the rules whenever we want. If you create a rule that says we're not going to accept anyone less than a 123 in cars or less than a 124 in cars, or we're not going to accept anyone with less than 100 hours of clinical experience. If you set those rules and you break those rules, you're going to be mm-hmm. in in a world of hurt when the lawyers come looking, mm-hmm. uh, which yep. has happened at some yep. medical schools, um, yep. at your admissions process. And so the, the right. issue when students try to what I always call game in the system, trying to figure out the the strategy and the loopholes and, and all this stuff is that the far, far, far majority of schools out there are not going to tell you anything to cover their own butt, right? Mm-hmm. So, so that they can interview, review, accept anyone who they want based on some fuzzy criteria. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Yeah, I agree. That's 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 the hard truth. I will also say on a slightly more positive note, <laughs> some of it is even if they think they may have metrics in mind, 
they've got to see who applies. You yep. can't possibly compare yourself to however many thousands of people are also applying this year. Um, you don't know all their intricacies. Like the rubric has too many if thens, and too much of it is not just holistic but subjective. So mm-hmm. um, you you could drive yourself crazy trying to guess. Um, and again, not um, no judgment. I mean, I know we joked a little, but no judgment to this question. It's for you yep. know the, our laughter is more about the situation. We get why you're asking, and it's just not possible to answer. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. It, it, yeah. This happened on on Reddit this past week. Someone was like, "Oh, what do you think about Dr. Gray's kind of stance on on a, a five? What was it? Five seventeen uh, or five fifteen? Three point seven? Um, being able to basically apply anywhere? Like that's not going to hold a student back from applying to any school." And and a lot of students were like, oh, that's ridiculous, right? If you want to go to to Wash U, they're only looking at 524.0 students. I'm just like, okay, believe that if you want. But that's just, why we encourage not people true. not to look at Reddit or <laughs> SDN forums. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, and I, I talk about this all the time. When you look at the MSR, the stats for a lot of those very highly qualified schools are high. Uh, even the 10th percentile on the MSAR is very high. And and the problem with looking at that as the, oh, you have to have that to apply, just continues to perpetuate those stats. If the school can only choose from 524.0 students, then the stats are going to be high year in and year out. You have to let the school review your application and give you a chance if, if you are lower than that. And yes, obviously if you have a 2.0 GPA and a, a 480 MCAT score, that's not going to, that's not going to work. Um, so you have to be realistic as well. And, and I, I would also add to that, that the, um, you know, when, when it, it's very common for, and, and I'm going to use this word very loosely uh, for haters to be around uh, on, you know, 521, 4.0 students. Oh, they just got in because their numbers are so high. And, you know, that you know, if, they, if the schools would, you don't, number one, you don't know that, that that's why they got in. Number two, a lot, perhaps most of these, you know, great numbers people are also great in all the other areas too. And, and so they're wonderful applicants. And so, you know, what we can't do is just make generalizations to say, well, you know, this school only accepts really high, you know, uh, uh, metrics, uh, when, when it's it could actually equally be true, the two are not mutually exclusive. Yep. Uh, the the fact that a student has high metrics, but they also have all the other stuff, and they've worked their butt off, and they've done all great stuff, and they're incredible people, uh, etc. So you know, um, I think I think a lot of that comes from people who have low numbers, and they and they point to the high number of people and say, well, they just got in because they have numbers. Mm-hmm. Well, number one, you don't know that, mm-hmm. and number two, that's just not how it works. Yeah. And so says Doctor Wright. Yeah. <laughs> right is Done. right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Tavaria asks, is it terrible to get most of your clinical experience during a gap year? I graduated a year early because of COVID and missed a good chunk of experience my sophomore year because of COVID. 
All right. So, so Scott, this is one of your favorite questions. Yeah. <laughs> like, what's the alternative? Yeah. You can't go back yeah. in time. Yeah. Right. So. No, I, I, and, and I think that's a, that's a great, you know, I, I, you know, the, the students that had, you know, they were right in that window during, during the, the time of COVID, you know, that I, I think taking a gap year is a great, is a great plan. Um, I think it's a great opportunity for you to pick up some of that stuff in this time period now when things are loosening up a lot more and, and shadowing is, is, is starting to become available and, and clinical opportunities, et cetera. So, uh, Tavaria, I think this is a great, uh, you know, this is a great plan. Uh, I agree. There's not a, there, there's really not another option, but I, you know, I don't think you need to look down on that or you need to think that somehow you, you, you may be disadvantaged in the process. I mean, just do the best you can, find some good opportunities, uh, you know, commit yourself to those, reflect on what you're seeing and learn from those opportunities and, uh, and, and then move forward in your application and be, be confident and, and, uh, secure and, and that you're doing the right stuff and and uh and that'll be great absolutely i've been asked how does having a dwi affect medical school applications not great no uh we we often say it's time heals all wounds uh (laughs) all all bad stuff so you'll definitely have to put this on your application Mm -hmm. that you you have an arrest and you'll have to talk about it and what that looks like um but a lot of it comes down to how you reflect on it too uh some of it comes down to how long ago was it uh is it something where you have a body of work post dwi that shows you didn't make that same mistake again. Uh, and, and so you just have to be really careful. Uh, it, it happened once, learn from it. Don't make the same mistake twice. That's, that's more of the killer. Um, I, I had a student last year or, or an acquaintance, uh, not someone I worked with, who was already accepted to medical school and then got a, a DUI. Uh, and he's like, what do I do? What do I do? And I told him, he reached out to me. I told him. You, you go tell the school now and, and just own up to it. And he, he got into school and he, they, they didn't rescind his acceptance. Um, it, it's amazing that uh, humans on the other side of these applications are understanding. They understand yeah. that, that we are dumb sometimes and mm-hmm. the far majority of us uh, uh, make dumb mistakes. And luckily most of us don't get in trouble or don't cause any bad things. Um, mm-hmm. But sometimes you get caught and it's, you just learn from it. I've heard, I heard on multiple occasions in the admissions committee at Southwestern, when we encountered something like this or similar to this, uh, it was not unusual for an admissions committee member during the meeting to say, wow, you know, this is, you know, a terrible thing to have, have have happened, but we all could have been in the same place. We've all done stupid stuff. We've all, we were all young. We've all done things that we shouldn't have done. And so I think there is a real recognition of uh, that, you know, it's, it's sometimes is uh, a luck uh, on our side that we don't get caught when we do dumb things. And, and so the reflection part of it on the part of the applicant is the most important thing. And it, if the applicant seems like that, that they're being reflective and, and are owning what happened and learning from it, then, and I think there's a lot of compassion on the, on the side of the admissions committees. Yeah. I, I, I know several people personally who've gotten in with DUS. So mm-hmm. yeah. it is okay. Not great, but it's surmountable. Yep. yep. 
in what ways are DO interviews different than MD? Are there any differences in how I should prepare? So there's one specific question to prepare for. <laughs> why, why are you interested in yeah. DO? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, right. Outside of that? They're pretty similar. Yeah. I actually wonder, I, I, I'm, I, I'm just now thinking about this. I'm wondering if DO schools, this is an interesting question. If DO schools are more likely or less likely to do MMI. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either, but because I, I, I know a lot, of, a lot of DO schools, well, some, I, I don't know. It's an interesting question, but generally speaking uh, to this uh, questioner is I don't think there's much difference. Yeah. yeah. Stephanie asks, just finished my first year with a 2.9 cumulative GPA. Any advice on how to bounce back or if it's even an option to be pre-med by starting off with low stats already? Brinia. It's still an option, Stephanie. It's still an option. It's so your you're only... saying. Sorry. So you're saying there's a chance. There's still a chance. You just finished your first year. You can come back from this. Um, advice on how to come back. Obviously, reflect on this past year. What was going on? What happened in, during that year? Was it outside stressors that you can control? Was it something you could not control? Um, figure out what sort of affected you. Um, and if there's anything you can do to change that, if it's, you know, struggling academically, you know, obviously see if you can get uh, tutoring or some sort of additional support. Um, but, but absolutely it is still, it is still uh, and possible for you. Yeah. It is still an option. Possible and probable, assuming you, yeah. you improve, um, which uh, is a good spot to bring up mapped to mm-hmm. show. Absolutely. Um, to show what this looks like. So if I um, have mapped open here, we'll add it to the stream. Um, this this very similar, right? Student starting off here, not doing great. And I'll just do um, I'll do cumulative here. So started off two point seven nine, and then three point two six. So nice nice improvement there. I'll add the semesters to show, right? And you can see the semester dip down even worse here, and then these last few semesters improving, improving, improving. This trend for you is going to be what makes or breaks you. Students either start off poorly and lose all hope and stay down, or they go okay. I got knocked down in the first round, but I'm ready to come back. Now I know, now I know how to duck that jab um, and, and come back and, and uh, have improved study skills and time management skills and organizational skills. And then you do better. And then you end up with uh, a better GPA. And, and one year is not going to ruin your GPA terribly, especially at 2.8. Mm. Yep. And nunchuck skills and computer hacking skills. <laughs> Name that movie. Oh, come on. What? You don't know that? Chick Sig. Chick Sig. Guys with nunchuck skills. Yeah. Come on. Come on. This Napoleon Dynamite. Of course. Uh, friends, <laughs> pre med friends, I will just remind you that if you are interested in trying mapped, um, there's all kinds of free goodness. So you can get access to um, almost all of the paid features, um, except for our 
we don't have the premium advising chat in the in the future yet. yet, right? Yep. Okay. So everything but it's but chatting with us. Um, so everything you're seeing here in this tab um, and all the tabs on the left, uh, you can get access to that uh, for a free trial using code Thirty Days Free. Um, and then, uh, you know, if you like it, you can subscribe. Even if you don't like it, we're going to let you keep access to all of your courses and that GPA calculator. So forever or free for free. Um, yes. So uh, people are always surprised. People that I know are that are highly educated, highly informed pre-meds are still regularly surprised at how different their AMCAS GPA is from their school GPA. Uh, find out before you apply. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think ours is great. There are spreadsheets out there you can use if you want to do your own research and create your own formula. Um, but find out what that GPA is. Learn about the way the application services do it differently. And while yep. I'm talking, mine's demoing a whole bunch of other cool features here. Yeah. Got our application simulator here so you know what's what's involved and what you need to bring and what you need to get prepared. And then you can start working on your essays in here as well. Mm-hmm. All the different essays. Uh, and so going back to the DUI student, um, you're going to probably fill out this misdemeanor uh, essay and talk about what you need here. Mm-hmm. So that's a little bit of, of, of mapped. Oh. All right. Back to some questions. Uh, actually, let's, uh, let's, give, um, let's give Mapped away. Uh, I, okay. I like this student who just asked this question about starting off with the 2.9. Okay. Um, yeah, Stephanie. Great. Yeah, definitely. Stephanie, let's uh, connect with us. Shoot us an email, info at mapped.com, and we'll get you access to Mapped for free for a year, including our Mapped advising um, inside of Mapped chat here, uh, inside the chat feature, where you can message with us and say, hi. (laughs) All right. Stephanie, I threw your comment back up just so you can be like, yep, it's me. It's that Stephanie. Um, so send me an email at info at mappd.com and we'll hook you up. Awesome, Stephanie. That's, that's wonderful. That is. We can hopefully see her upward trend. Yeah. As, uh, as she progresses. Love it, love it. Yeah. Oh, I had a question picked and I lost it. Okay, yeah, Marina. <laughs> Marina asks, any tips for students who are put, quote, on hold after the application is reviewed by a medical school? Oh, such a common dilemma here, right, is, <laughs> yes, <laughs> meditate, uh, meditate. Um, yeah, so what does on hold mean, Scott? Well, we never had that at Southwestern, and I think a lot of schools, there are many schools that don't have that, or if you are on and hold, they're not going to let you know that, just knowing that it's going to freak you out and you're not going to know what that means. <laughs> I, I, I suspect that what it means is they've reviewed your application. They did not reject you outright, but they put you on hold pending a later time. They may be, they, there may be a re-review uh, or whatever. So I would say the first thing I would say is there, the, as a tip for those who are put on hold is exactly what Rachel said, relax. 
There's nothing you can do. There's no amount of begging or groveling or letters that you write or whatever that is going to change, you know, necessarily that dynamic of whatever's happening at the medical school level. And so you just got to wait and see how things play out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, A couple things I'll add to that. One is if you're finding yourself feeling tied to your devices, like the constant refresh um, for a little peace of mind of getting away from email, maybe schedule yourself. I get two 10 minute windows, one in the morning, one at night where I check my email to see if I got any updates from schools so that you're not just like all day long looking for the dopamine hit and then feeling frustrated and anxious and upset. Um, That might help you just make each, like (laughs) the days are long, right? See if you can make the day (laughs) more palatable to yourself. Um, And then it's still a little early, you know, I mean, interviews go from September to March. It's only October 6th today when we're doing this live. There's lots of interview time. Um, We do tend to say that if you haven't heard anything by November, you might want to start thinking about a backup plan, which does not mean give up hope. It just means in case you need a backup plan, we want you to have six months between November and May to do it. So if you can, not just November, Thanksgiving. So even a little bit later. So late November. Um, So, so yeah, I mean, now might be a good time to pick up a new hobby. (laughs) Um, I I did the little. Worrying is not a hobby. What you say? <laughs> Worrying is not a hobby. Worrying is not a hobby, no. <laughs> um, I, I did the little hand mudra for meditation. Um, yeah. if you, you guys know I'm big fans of meditation and yoga. But, uh, you know, maybe it's running. Maybe it's knitting. Um, maybe you're going to create a TikTok channel. <laughs> um, uh, you know, whatever, whatever you need to do to sort of channel some energy, I think, is a good idea. Um, Absolutely. Good advice. And, and then, yeah, around Thanksgiving, if you still haven't heard anything, again, I wouldn't give up hope. But you- <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay. Speaking uh, of devices. Yeah. But, yeah, you might, you might want to start thinking around Thanksgiving about, okay, if I do have to reapply, what am I going to do to improve my app? Yeah. I'm really interested. I've been doing a lot of kind of mental thoughts and we haven't, I haven't specifically talked to the developers about this, but for maps, I would love for students who are going through the application cycle to be able to use mapped and put some sort of email address that mapped can monitor so that we can let students know, right. And send you a text message without any kind of setup to go, Hey, here, this new email just came in like two minutes ago. So you don't have to constantly check your email. Um, so hopefully one day. Cool. That's not a big year thing. No. <laughs> no. All right. Manjeet asks, really hoping you could answer this, which would be a better backup, Caribbean versus Australian med schools? Interesting question. Hmm. Scott, what do you think? Well, uh, I think it depends on not all Caribbean medical schools are the same. Uh, Number one, I think some are decent. Mm -hmm. uh, Some are crappy. Uh, So I think it depends on what what Caribbean medical schools you're looking at. Uh, The the, really the only Australian medical school that I'm really that familiar with is the one that's partnered with Oshner. is that Queensland? Queensland, right. That's partnered with Osh- Oshner in New Orleans, the Oshner Medical uh, 
medical system. Yep. And, uh, and I, 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 but honestly, I haven't heard, I, I don't really know much enough, uh, much about it. I certainly don't know enough to really, yeah. you know, say a whole lot, but. Yeah. Uh, so. so for Caribbean schools, if, if you just Google the big four, big four yeah. Caribbean schools, the, yeah. those are typically considered the more um, reliable schools. Mm-hmm. Um, and even there's still some, some question marks. There's a lot of manipulation of numbers. Um, mm-hmm. There are huge classes that they bring in and yeah. a lot of attrition compared to us medical schools. Oh, yes. And what does that do to your mindset as you're there trying to study and, and all of your peers are dropping like flies. Um, uh, there's a lot of uh, talk that it's bad because they're for profit schools. And, and that's not the case, right? There are us um, medical schools that are for profit and they are in the U S system doing just fine. It's, it's more of a, uh, integrity thing, I think at, at the end of the day. Um, so that that's not the case, but, but really at the end of the day, to answer the question, you are considered an international medical graduate period, no matter what Caribbean versus Australian, you'll get the education that you need at either school. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of the education that students are getting, whether it's international or at a U.S. medical school is done through third-party test prep materials at this point. So mm-hmm. there, there's a lot of complaints uh, and concerns that that medical schools are taking in all this tuition money and students are just using um, third-party test prep materials either that the school's providing or that they're buying on their own. And so it's like, why are we paying all this money um, to the school? So you'll, you'll get the education you need. Uh, it's, it's always up to you, no matter where you go, to put in the work and put in the effort to do well. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next few years with step one going pass fail. Yep. How is that going to affect international medical grads? Mm-hmm. I think for the foreseeable future, all of the weight will just be put on step two uh, in terms of yeah. screening residency applications. So there's, there's still some, some questions there, mm-hmm. but I, I like to say, don't go to a Caribbean medical school or in this case, any international medical school, unless you have to go to an international medical school. Yeah. Um, yeah. So apply to the U S apply to the U S apply to the U S and then, yeah. and then go international. It's just yeah. sets up some roadblocks for you in the mm-hmm. future. Yeah. 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 Definitely agree. Before you go international, consider what could you change with the U S reapplication? Yeah. Yep. Agreed. RM asks, what recommendations do you have to hone up on math skills for courses such as physics and chemistry? Hmm. can't think of anything else that's off of my head. <laughs> yeah, right. YouTube is always uh, the answer. YouTube? Yeah. yeah. Google. I was going to say Google. Academy. Yeah. Yeah. Khan Academy is great. Yeah. Khan Academy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess it depends on how rusty you are. Like, uh, I'd personally be more concerned about math skills for the MCAT because math without a calculator or Excel or Google Sheets or Apple numbers, it can be a real, real brain wrinkle. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I mean, if you're really worried about rusty, you're being rusty, then you should look on your campus and see if there is like a, a math club or math student center. A lot of times they have like, you know, math labs that you can go and talk to TAs and get help. Um <laughs> Right. Yeah. I, I, you said math lab, math labs, and it made me think of. Oh, 
Mathematical. <laughs> breaking bad. Studying Not breaking bad. <laughs> yeah. There's I'm no sorry. Walter White here. I digress. I'm so sorry. No Walter White kind of labs. Yeah. Um, uh, but I also feel like because semesters, you know, are 15 week periods, you're going to have time to work through your math skills relevant. Where it's going to be important again is when you see that math a second time on the MCAT. And you're not able to go slow and steady like you are in your homework. And um, it, it is a big boon to be able to do math in your head. And that's a skill many of us have lost. Um, so if the MCAT is in front of you, it's one you want to start building back. Because just, you know, it saves precious seconds. Hmm. That it does. Okay. Let's see. Bob asks, would it be a disadvantage to mention my heart transplant as my seed on my application? I know there's often stigma against mental health, but what about this? What do you think, Scott? Well, number one thing I have to say is, you know, kudos to to you for, you know, experiencing such a traumatic um, thing in your life and for whatever necessitated a heart transplant uh, it's you know you, you've gone down a difficult road and so you're the resiliency that you're showing uh, in life in general and now in in this opportunity to to try to you know go to medical school you know I, I really uh, I give you a lot of credit for that that's that's awesome um, I, I would say you know you, you got to own your story and you got to tell your story I don't think that a medical school is going to look at that and, uh, um, you know, stigmatize that for, for some reason. I think there may be, you know, some questions about, you know, your physical stamina and your ability to, to do, you know, the hard work, particularly in the clinical years where you don't get a whole lot of sleep. And, and you know, there's just a lot of uh, ins and outs to it that could be physically uh, taxing. So there may be some, you know, level of concern about that that, may, you know, potentially could be raised in an, in an interview for example, or whatever, but I, I don't think you should avoid it uh, for sure. I mean, what anybody else have a comment about that? Tell your story. Yeah. Yeah. Tell yeah. your story. That's great. Yep. Sorry, I'm replying to a chat. Sometimes the multitasking takes an extra second or two. <laughs> All right. Uh. Jack says, I'm graduating early and have an option to do a one-year clinical MBA at my university, but my clinical hours are low, around 100. I wanted to ask, what would be more advisable for my last year, work versus an MBA? Porque no los, no los dos. Sí. <laughs> why, why A mí me gustan los dos. <laughs> I agree. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. Uh, MBAs <laughs> typically aren't super, super, super rigorous. Uh, mm -hmm. Obviously, there's there's some work involved. Um, but why not be able to to get one day a week doing some clinical stuff as you're as you're going? All right. Yeah. Or or one day every other week. That that stuff adds up very quickly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
it'll it'll break up the monotony too of you know yep. studying. So so finance. let's let's dig a little bit deeper into Jack's question and and twist it a little bit because usually this is where students are coming from. What will look better on my application? Right, having more hours or having an MBA. Scott, what do you think? Um, if the two are mutually exclusive exclusive i would definitely go with the clinical hours um i think that that's something that medical schools are going to be much more interested in that you have a broad a broad base of clinical experiences and if you're kind of low compared to other applicants then that might be a, a problem uh with that so i think if you can only do one or the other uh then then i would say the clinical hours are going to be more important than an mba yeah I think so. Uh, as someone who's been in business for 20 years and has, you know, sold a company and then launched another successful company, I personally think MBAs are pretty overrated. overrated. Yep. Not to say they're bad. They have value. And especially if yeah. you have specific career paths in mind. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've... Um, I've only been super high level leaders at private equity and privately held companies. If I wanted to be a fortune 1000 or fortune 500 C level person. Yeah. I would have gotten an MBA from the best brand name school I could have gotten. Not because I think brand name schools are inherently better, but because in that world, that stuff matters. Yeah. Um, uh, but um but yeah, I think Jack, you just want to ask yourself, what are you getting the MBA for? You know, is that is that information just really interesting to you? I mean, that's a good reason. Um, I don't like group work, so I never want to get an MBA. <laughs> like group work bums me out. People slow me down. <laughs> I want a truck. <laughs> yeah. Um, and see, I think there's a little there's something a little bit telling in how Jack asked this question. He said, I'm graduating early and have an option to do a one-year clinical MBA. He didn't say, and I want to do a one-year hmm. clinical MBA. Yeah. So, you know, Jack, what, and, and I may be reading too much into your question, but, you know, I think that if this is something, just like you're saying, Rachel, if this is something you want to do for, for you know, some really specific reasons and, and you're all excited about it and you think, you know, in the future that you want to begin hospital administration or you want to, you know, own your own clinic and, and you know, that the MBA would be a good, you know, good uh, thing for you to, to give you background knowledge and stuff, then go for it. But if you're just doing it just because you think it might look good on the application, then, yeah, it's not going to it's not going to do that necessarily. Um, and here's the other piece I want to bring up around this. And again, not to pick on Jack, this is just a good question with a lot of different yeah, interesting parts to it. Um, a couple people have said, is it okay if I get my clinical during gap year? It's always great to get more clinical experience. And the point of clinical isn't for med schools. It's for you, right? Dr. Gray says that all the time. It's for you. It is to prove to yourself it's one thing to take care of your grandma and another thing to take care of 10 other people's grandmas when their families are grumpy and hungry and stressed and scared and not very grateful or polite, right? Right. And if you can do that day in, day out, week in, week out, month in, month out, and still want to show up, then you know you're signed on to this career path. Um, And that's one of the challenges to me when people say clinical on my gap year, it sounds good. And then I always want to kind of pause and say, are you telling me you're going to apply in May and then get a bunch of clinical from June to next March? Because 
you won't have that clinical experience to reflect on when you apply. Um, so I'm not, I'm not saying don't get clinical then. I'm just saying I sure hope you have enough to be able to be really sure mm-hmm. and to be able to talk in your essays about why you want to be a physician before you apply. Yep. Excellent point. Okay. I think we're probably coming to an end here. Let me see if we grab one more. Um, when will you shadow and continue? I believe next week. <laughs> yeah, when will you shadow and continue? Uh, e shadowing has been going on every week, so uh, it's yeah. I, I missed it uh, Monday night just because uh, I was ill. So yeah, it's it's been yeah. trucking along. Yeah, every week. Uh, eshadowing.com. You can also go watch replays on YouTube. You can't take those for the quizzes anymore, but you can still get the great yeah. intel. We're we're behind on posting the the older ones on YouTube, so we'll we'll okay. You can get, get those going. some of the replays on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, we're behind on a lot with YouTube. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're gonna good. we're gonna get there. Uh, we're gonna catch up on YouTube, friends. Mm-hmm. Um, All right. So as we're drawing to close, just a reminder, uh, we we did a giveaway today among live people and we'll also do a giveaway among the replay. So um, if you want to rewatch this later or if you are watching this on the replay, be sure to be typing in questions and uh, we'll answer as many of them as we can in the next couple days. And we'll pick a winner from among those questions. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Awesome. One more question? One more? One more? Two more? Oh, is there one more? Okay. I don't know. You guys can pick two. I'm not the only one who um, can do this. Let me, I, I know you answered this in the, uh, in the chat about me having an HPSP video. This is a newer version of HPSP specifically for the VA. And so okay. it's very interesting. Uh, I think it's limited right now in terms of what schools you can go to to qualify for this. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, I, I know a little bit superficially about it. But for the most part, it's the same HPSP program. It's just instead of through... Army, Navy, Air Force, um, it is through the VA. And so I think if you have any intentions or any desire to serve veterans, um, then it's great. And there's a potential, and I don't know everything, the ins and outs and all of the fine print, but one of the biggest downfalls that students see with going through the military HPSP programs like I did for the Air Force is the goal of being in the military is to be ready to deploy. And so you're potentially overseas and uh, with with stuff going on with China and, and other places, we don't know what the world's going to look like in, in a few years. Uh, but with the VA HPSP program, my assumption is that you go to medical school, you go to residency, and then you work in the VA system uh, here locally stateside so uh, could be a great option for those of you who are very interested in HPSP and wanting to serve our veterans um, without the need to deploy potentially and you notice how all of that I said I, I chose my words carefully none of what I said had anything to do with if you desire to go to medical school for free mm-hmm. don't do it for the money yeah do it for the patient population yep yeah don't trade your life away like that. <laughs> awesome. All right. 
Well, thank you as always. I appreciate uh, how engaged all of our pre-meds are. Absolutely. Thanks for being with us every week. We love it. Yes. And congrats to uh, Stephanie for winning that free year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Stephanie? we'll chase her down if she didn't, uh, didn't <laughs> hear us. And if you're watching this on replay, go leave some good comments and we'll pick a winner from the comment section as well. All right. Yep. Take care, everybody. Right. Everyone Thank have you. a great week. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. This is Dr. Gray again, closing out. I hope you learned something from our session today. If you haven't yet checked out Mapped, I invite you to try it for free for two weeks by going to mapped.com slash podcast. Track and navigate your journey to medical school using the only tool like it for pre-meds. We'll see you next week here on Ask the Dean.